Paul saying, I preach Christ crucified. Do you abhor what Jesus went through when he was crucified for you? The desire for spiritual growth through Christ-mindedness. Insights on biblically inspired faith consciousness the virtue of Christ helps us relate to the world around us. Welcome to the Spiritual Renewal Podcast with your host, George Vasquez. But when we talk about Jesus, then we're talking about Jesus' blood for salvation, and that's a covenant, and Jesus said a new covenant. And when we dwell upon the new covenant, such as the blood of Jesus Christ, wow, it's the making of God's will in believers. And remember this, that faith and belief are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. You can't have faith without belief. You cannot believe unless you have faith. They go hand in hand. But that the grace of God is something that you don't ask for. It's freely given. If you really want to study the gospel, I think the greatest place that you could go to is Paul's letter to the churches in the providence of Galatia. And that's where we go to Galatians. And it's one of the very few letters that Paul wrote that is not just to one particular church. I mean, Paul wrote the church of Corinth, he wrote to the church at Philippi, he wrote to these churches, but now he's writing to a region. Galatians is uh, one of those wonderful books that really spells out the gospel. The gospel is provided to remind us that there is also bad news. And that's the part of the gospel message that most preachers in the mainline churches that you hear often leave out. You won't hear Joel Osteen talk about the bad news. The bad news happens to be the wrath of God, His justice. Now, see, you can't have a holy God unless you have a just God. You can't have a God that is just unless there is a penalty. And when we talk about a penalty, then, and we look to Jesus for taking that penalty on our behalf, so I want you to know I'm taking your spirit on a journey and we're leaving. We're going into a realm that is supernatural and it's understood on a spiritual level. The truth is the spirit, which is the word of God, that we can make a connection with God, our Lord and Savior, even now, right here from, the, from where you sit. And so beginning in Galatians in chapter 1, in verse 6, Paul says this, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Whoa, 
heavy words, very heavy words. Verse 9 says, As we have said before now, I say to you again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to him than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please them, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's that kind of revelation that we can have when we enter into that spiritual realm. When you start to receive the gospel of what Paul is starting to... And, you know, he's saying it's a terrible thing to say that you're a Christian and then forget the gospel. Or to be swayed away from the gospel by some false doctrine or false teaching. And there's a lot of them. So the doctrine of grace, theologically, we can understand it as the influence of Holy Spirit, which operates in us to regenerate and sanctify and inspire godly impulses. It's what motivates us. It gets us going and, and where we make progress. But there are other uh, monotheistic uh, denominations such as uh, Jewish religion. In the Jewish tradition, grace is specifically designated as God's attribute of mercy. But then you have to understand there's a difference between mercy and grace. Okay? Because God knows we need His mercy, but His grace is freely given. And this is something that these churches in this providence really were losing sight of. It's not like the Jewish tradition, and the Jewish traditions are going to take grace and say that's just an attribute of God's mercy. That's the way they saw it through the Hebrew Pentateuch from the beginning and all the Old Testament. And he emphasized that expression through the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ crucified. Christ crucified for the divine nature of God's good grace towards us. And Paul is telling them, he's saying, I know there's other people. Like, for instance, the Hindu, they have a concept of grace. We don't believe in Hinduism, but they define it as the ultimate key that is required for spiritual self-realization. Because that's what the Hindu's goal is, nirvana, to, to transcend the physical world. Now, they believe in the spiritual world, but they think that through all their meditation and all of these ritual systems that they use, that they're going to be able to do that through the work. Did you hear that word, work? Because yeah. I'm going to say, Ephesians 2.8.9 says... Yeah. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not that of yourself. It is the gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. Very good. If it weren't for the fact that it was given, 
And sometimes we say, well, I have grace. Do you? Where'd that grace come from? Recognize the divine nature of God. First uh, Peter in the first chapter talks a lot about God's divine nature and how he provides that you can be godly in his sight, that you could be pleasing to him. These are great things, except that here comes along that old three-letter word, sin. And it's a tough one, because sometimes we get to feeling like we're just not worthy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, it said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross should be made of no effect. He said, you know what? It's not about the baptism, but it's about preaching the gospel. And it has nothing to do with the Hindu wisdom, the Jewish tradition. In fact, Islam's, in the Islamic, Allah's communication of love to believers is to do good works. That's what they believe grace is. You know, the Catholics, they have various graces. In fact, they even have a treasury of grace that the saints, like St. Peter and even some modern-day saints like Mother Teresa, have stored up in the treasures of the church graces because they were such good people. They Their cup overflowed and they had the, an abundance of grace over and above. And that in this treasury of graces, then, you could, if you wanted to, go to the church and buy an indulgence that would actually dip into the treasury of grace. A guy named Martin Luther came along and said, this just doesn't sound right. And they said, you don't question. Did you know the, the Pope is known as the vicar of Christ? You know what the term vicar means? Replacement for so that the Pope actually believes that he is the incarnate Christ on earth sitting in Rome. Martin Luther, then he got uh, um, the Latin Vulgate and he translated it into German. And then Gutenberg started printing out German Bibles. And guess what? The people for the first time had the Bible in their hands now, and they could read the Word of God in their own language for the very first time because they were dependent upon the church to read it in Latin, which the people didn't even know. So you see how wonderful it is to have the Word of God in your hand. What a blessing it is. Now notice here, we're still in 1 Corinthians verse 18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Power of God. Ephesians said, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right. It's powerful. In Hebrews, it says, like a two-edged sword cut to the very marrow of your bones. That's the power that we're talking about. The power to enter into God's spiritual realm. And verse 19 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing understanding of the prudent. 
Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through his foolishness of his message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jew, a stumbling block, and to the Greek, foolishness. Let's go back to Galatians. I'm going to pick up the action in chapter 2, verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners... Is Christ, therefore, a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if we build again those things which are destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you may not obey the truth before those eyes Jesus Christ is clearly portrayed among you and crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then Paul put it in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then Paul goes on to say, how would they hear if they didn't have a preacher? Because that's what God has arranged, that we may be imparted to the Spirit of God through the grace of God, that we may exercise our faith in God. Paul's saying, I preach Christ crucified. That's what I preach to understand the passion that Jesus Christ experienced on the cross. Because that's the punishment that you deserve. But that, yes, we should experience that penalty and then say, thank you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for God's good grace? Doesn't that impact you even more? There's a strength, a power behind that. I want you to understand how the Spirit of God will enable you to become a believer that is moving in a direction, because I want you to know that down on the end there is the Shekinah glory of God. It is His holiness. We're going to move on in verse 13 of chapter 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That God promises the Spirit through faith. 
and that the more that your faith is strengthened, the more that you will see the promise of God come to life in your life. We call it a walk. We call it a walk of faith. It takes you from point A to point B. Point A, the muck and mire. That was when you were in your sin, before you came to Christ, before you understood Christ crucified. And then somewhere along the line, you heard the preaching of Christ crucified. And at that moment, then, God extended his favor towards you, and you said, what? And you woke up to it. And you said, wait a minute, that's me? You talking to me? And you okay. And you gave in to it. And you said, that, if that's for me, then I accept that. And so you started this little walk of faith. And it started out small at first. And you don't have to know doctrine. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a theologian to understand Christ crucified. He died for your sins. Faith is an action word. It doesn't sit still. And once you begin to understand your faith, you said, I want to know what this spiritual realm is like. I want to know what it is that God has for me. I want to know how he's working in my life. I want to know why all these things are happening to me. How's it working? And, and then when it comes out in the wash and you say, wow, that, that had to be God. And there's another step. It's progressive. It moves forward and it's always in direction and it's directed toward a holy God. So chapter 3, verse 26 says, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Jesus. How do you put on Jesus? Listen to the message, Christ crucified. Imagine yourself and the wrath and the penalty you deserve. And guess what that's going to do? It's going to make you appreciative that God has his good grace upon you. Thank you, Jesus. You'll remember that. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And how are you one in Christ? It's by understanding Christ crucified. It's by putting on Jesus Christ. You cannot wear this world and its garments are nasty, dirty. And then wear Christ crucified, put on Christ crucified over dirty clothes? Would you do that? No. You're going to get yourself cleaned up first, and then you're going to put on your good clothes. You don't put your good clothes on over your dirty clothes. So something has to happen in between that point, and that's usually where the bath comes in. Mom said, go take a bath. Here's what you do. You turn the water on, take a little bit of water, Dabble it behind your ear like that. Then you get mom's good white towel and you wipe off like that in a towel. And she goes, you did not take a bath. And then she comes in and scrubs you till you're pink. Now that's taking a good bath. 
this is something that needs to be done. And sometimes there's a lot of muck and mire that we're wearing and a lot of dirt that's going, that you deserve to die because of your dirt. You deserve the wrath of God because of your dirt. But that God's going to come along and wash your feet. He's going to come, Jesus. Now, what, what's happening here is you're going to be putting on something new. You're going to be putting on Christ. And you're reminded that what Jesus has done is taken all that dirt away. Because of repentance. If we're not for Christ crucified for me, make it personal. Christ was crucified for me. When you make it that personal, then you get this new set of clothes and you put on Christ, are you wanting to go back out and play in the mud? Because you're going to look at your new duds and you're going to say, man, I'm looking good. Do you think it would have impact on you if you had all your health back right away? You were completely healed. And then you heard Jesus' word say, go and sin no more. You know what? This world breaks our heart when we look at the news. It makes you ill thinking about it. And then Christ comes along, and when you think Christ crucified, you put on Christ, and Jesus comes along and he heals the heart, he mends the heart, he puts it together, and you feel whole. Now we're talking about a spiritual realm, yeah. right? It's supernatural where we want to reside with God. This old world's passing away, and so is its desires. It's got nothing left, right? Paul, Peter said, you know what? The, the elements becoming intensely hot will melt. This world's got nothing left for us. Why worry about that? Put on Christ and understand what we're doing as we're putting on Christ crucified. Finally, in chapter 5, let me start in 14, chapter 5, verse 14. For all the law in the world, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Get it? You're putting on Christ. And when you walk in the Spirit, do you have time to fulfill the lust in the flesh. No. You're sitting in church right now, just perfect little angels with your Bibles open. You're not thinking about what you're going to do once we say amen. And he says, that's the walk. That's the walk of spirit. Verse 17 says, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, you'll remember Paul said that in Romans. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Verse 24 of chapter 5. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then chapter 6 and verse 14, let God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I no longer to the world. You know, we can believe how bad sin is, but do we abhor it? Remember that God is holy, and He's pure, and He's just. Do you abhor what Jesus went through when he was crucified for you? To put on Christ crucified means you've got to crucify the flesh. 
The point being is that if God has a limit to his mercy, it's only because of those that are unrepentant. The wrath of God, just like the heavenly hope, is eternal. One of two ways, but both eternal. So it makes good sense to have reverence for God. Because we're not sinners because we sin. You might think that way. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we were born sinners. It's the beginning of grace at the atonement to bring man into fellowship with God. It's all by the Holy Spirit. It's all by faith. And if we can have that faith and exercise it in God by putting on Christ, guess what? You won't be without sin, but you will sin less. There'll be moments where you have to repent, and it's a good thing to be in the habit of repentance. There's something else you need to know about grace, God's good grace, is that it's always growing. It continually grows. God's got a new avenue every day of your life, sometimes minute by minute, where you recognize His grace, you put on Christ, you are able to recognize Christ crucified, and then you pick up yourself, dust yourself off, and move forward. And you keep moving till that day, finally, when it's all said and done, and we can all have that great Christmas in heaven. Amen. If you like the show, why not include us in your feed and turn on notifications for updates. Until next time, thank you for your time, and may your countenance be lifted and God's face shine upon you.